Alright everybody, welcome to the 59th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in chilly Rip City and I got my man Sage chilling in Southern Oregon. So happy to be on with you guys. It, it's it's so good to be home where I'm, you know, in my home, not in my parents' home. It, it's great. I'm just so happy to be on right now. And we have a very special guest, longtime listeners of the pod know him uh evan mccarthy evan say what's up to the to the to the fans hey what's what's going on guys i'm still trying to work up the the sage mom power rings of favorite guests i listened last week dane carbaugh shout out but how dare he he still has a top spot as sage mom's favorite guest and that really bugs me so i'm, I'm coming for that this week so you'd say you're you're gunning for that number one spot I'm trying to. I try really hard, and I thought that Sage's mom was into me, but I, I maybe not, man. Well, she listens to every episode of the Evan M show. I mean, maybe if we did it more often, she, she I know. You'd, you'd move up a bit. But I mean, we'll, Dane, we'll record. We'll record one soon. Maybe we'll get Dane to come on because I've Dane and I talk sometimes. And shout out to Dane. Yeah, I listened to last week's great episode, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And for. Those of our listeners who may not know who you are or some first-time listeners, Evan, uh, let our fans know who you are, where they can find you at, and what you're all about. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like you mentioned, my name is Evan McCarthy. Um, I kind of go by the artist name Evan M. I'm a stencil spray paint artist. Um, I've done work for a bunch of companies, including the Blazers, have art hanging in the Blazers corporate office. Uh, also have a clothing line called Evan M., which focuses primarily on uh, Portland-based clothing. You can find a lot of my stuff on my website, which is evanem.com. It's E-V-A-N-E-M.com. Um, Instagram's evanempdx. Twitter's evanempdx. So go ahead and hit up any of those. I'm always posting pics of paintings I'm working on or new T-shirts or new gear. So uh, give it a follow. And I just checked out the website. looks like you're having a little uh, post-holiday sale. That is correct. I, I, yeah, and it was a holiday sale, but I'm too. I was too lazy to go and put the prices back uh, post holiday. But I, I, now that you mentioned that, I will keep it for the next few days in case anyone listening wants to go cop anything. They can do it because I would feel like a dick if I just went and raced it after you said that. <laughs> you know, 2016's been pretty shitty for all of us. Uh, do yourself a favor and get a discounted, you know, Dame T from from Evanem. Uh, it's what 25% off right now. So go ahead and do that before uh, the new year rings in. You'll you'll thank yourself later. Absolutely. I got to cop that gray uh, PDX beanie. My older brother uh, this holiday stole it. So I got I got to get another one. Yeah, and you should because those actually sold really well. I got a few left. Um I'll probably reorder, but yeah, those are on there too. I'm wearing I'm wearing my black, the black beanie right now, so It's it's hot fire, man. I you know what? Hot fire right now, Sage. Are the team we root for? The Portland Trailblazers are the anti-fire right now. Um, I don't know if I've been hiding under a rock, maybe just in denial or kind of blocking out every game. But one of my coworkers said we had lost ten of our last eleven, and I was like, "Hmm, that sounds like a lot of losses in a row." 
And sure enough, I'm looking at the schedule and we have lost 10 of 11. And mind you, I watch every single game. It just, I don't know if I've completely, you know, gave up on the team and just in watching because I love watching basketball, but I can't believe their last win was December 13th against the Thunder. And before that, December 5th, we have won three times in all of December and Sage, how are you getting through this season? For me, I'm almost at the point where I'm starting to hope for the lottery. Actually, I'm probably there because I don't see any chance that we're going to surpass the teams ahead of us to get into sixth because seventh or eighth is pretty much um, a death wish, in my opinion, going after the Spurs and Warriors. And, you know, we got our playoff experience last year. I don't think we need another uh, sweep. So I would like to get a high lottery pick, but. What are you watching right now with the team, especially with Dane being injured? Is there what keeps you tuning back in? Well, I think there's always things in games that you can take and see positives or negatives. That last Toronto game, it made me really see something I did not like. CJ McCollum is a ball stopper. Even when we were losing last year, it was still fun to watch because there was passing. And they tried hard. Right now, it seems like they never get any uh, 50-50 ball. And it's a lot of quick offense. And I bet against the Blazers almost every night in Daily Fantasy. That is a terrible fan thing to say, Sage. <laughs> I, I, I find that it's a good... If I know this team better than most people, they're the, wor- they're the worst defense in, in, in the NBA. you got to take advantage of it. Evan, as a, as a longtime fan, obviously it's in our, our blood to continue to watch, but what are you looking for, especially when the team is arguably the most disappointing team in the NBA this season? What keeps you tuned in? Well, first off, I um, all my teams are miserable. Just like you, I'm a, I'm a San Francisco 49ers football fan, and uh, our team is 2-13 this year. I've watched, every, I've watched all but one game like, all, like in its entirety. So I am very used to watching very bad teams and just taking gut punches. Like, I have no problem with that. I'm like, I must love the misery. I'm a glutton for punishment. With this team, I... Oh, go for it. No, I was going to say, I think I'm with you, too, because, you know, the Ducks were terrible this year. The Blazers are obviously a big disappointment. But, you know, growing up a Blazer fan, yeah, we had the highs of um, the Drexler era and, you know, the 12-deep team of 99 and 2000. But... Those teams also gave us a lot of gut punches, um, games that will not be renamed on this podcast. And also, you can go back to all the missed opportunities we've had in the draft. So being a Blazer fan is definitely a roller coaster. And uh, I keep telling myself that going through all this misery will one day have a Chicago Cub type moment when we win the championship. And hopefully I will be alive to um, celebrate in that. But go, go on, Evan. Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned before on the podcast, I've been a guest a few times, and at times I was, wasn't was as optimistic coming into this year because I felt last year was a down year. Um, we kind of caught fire towards the mid to end of the season and made a run. We got uh, pretty fortunate in the first round of the playoffs with the Clippers injuries, and we uh, made it to the second round. Uh, I'm not entirely shocked about where – I didn't think we were going to be this bad. Losing 10 of our last 11 is incredible, like, now that you mentioned that, I had to dig deep in my head. Like, when was the last time you won? Was it that Thunder game? Um, so, I mean, yeah, like Sage said, 
you try to look for things that keep you going. I think the thing that's frustrating with this team is that after the extensions that we gave in the offseason, we're kind of stuck where we're at unless O'Shea makes a move. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be hard for this team to improve with the way it is. Like, it's going to be hard for Terry to mix stuff up. It's funny that, that Sage brought up the CJ being a ball stopper. Uh, I had thoughts on CJ, too, kind of in that realm. Um, but like, you know, I know you guys talked last week about trading is not the answer, but it's, we're getting to the point where it's like, are we, if, if we want to see this team improve, something big's got to change or like, we just have to accept the fact that this is who we are. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm leaving closer to the, we should really trade CJ. Um, well, here's the thing that I, here's what I saw last night, which I thought was interesting. When Dane and CJ start, it's really tough because they, there's a, there's a bit of redundancy in their game. I mean, they're very similar players. They are instant offense. They can score. Dame's a little bit more of a distrib- distributor, doesn't turn the ball over as much. On defense, they're basically the same person. I, I mean, I think we, last night we saw Alan Crabb, like a, a normal two guard in the sense that he's a bigger build two guard in there and he's guarding DeRozan and all that. And I thought it was an interesting look to see, uh, you know, our traditional point guard and, a two guard like that. Cause I mean, the last time we saw it with the Blazers was when Wes Matthews was here and we saw how that worked out, worked out really well for us. Um, so yeah, I mean, if we want to, I, going back to the, if we want to improve defensively, I feel like my thought wasn't like necessarily trading, like, yeah, maybe trading CJ if you can get value, but, and I know this is sacrilegious and people would freak out if this happened in Rip City, like people would freak out, but be bringing CJ off the bench and starting oh. Alan Crabb. I thought you were going to do the hottest of hot takes and say trade Dame. Oh. No, 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 no. CJ off the bench is the answer either because it's all about the finishing five. You're going to have Dame and CJ on the floor to finish games regardless. Uh, I know Allen did a, a pretty good job defensively on, on DeRozan. DeRozan uh, shot just 8 of 22. Um, Portland did lose that game 95 to 91. But a couple things that need to be factored. One, Toronto just played terrible basketball. Um, that was a very sloppy performance from the second best team in the Eastern Conference. Two, I think Portland played a little bit above their heads without Dame. They wanted to show they were going to fight without their leader. And three, Terry kind of threw a curveball at Dwayne Casey and the Toronto Raptors by trapping uh, the ball handlers, which is completely out of character for this Trailblazers roster and something we have been calling for for ages on this podcast. So it was nice to see that it finally worked, but it was kind of a trick play and We'll see, one, if Terry goes to it more often, or two, if teams start to scout it. So I just don't think it's really the right idea to trade a, what, 24-year-old most improved player who's locked up a good contract uh, in C.J. McCollum. And, you know, Kratos is with me right there, too. I know, sorry. He's a huge Blazer fan. Like, he literally watches games with me. And, um... He, he barks at, at the okay. game. So I'm going to give him a kick. need to have a legitimate front court with Damon CJ before we even consider trading one of those two. That would be extremely foolish, in my opinion. I, I actually enjoyed watching most of that game against Toronto because there was passing. There was... You could see that they played with heart. I, I think CJ and Evan Turner kind of blew the game away with hero ball in the last few minutes, but all in all, it was an entertaining game to watch. You know, CJ did have a couple of shots where I wasn't too fond of, but again, you look at the box score, who else was going to make a shot? 
Alan Crabb was three of 11. This guy we're paying $20 million finally gets his start and he goes three of 11 with seven points. That's, I, I don't know if you can trust Alan Crabb to make a shot at this point in the season. Then you've got Al Farouk Aminu, who is really a roll of the dice. You have no idea what you're going to get every time he shoots the ball this season. Plumlee is only going to be off of an interior pass, and Harkless was the only other starter shooting above 50%. All those options, I'm going to I'm going to roll with CJ. He just he he didn't uh, didn't make them all when he needed to, but again, I don't think it really should have been that close. Portland won the points in the paint advantage. Uh, they actually outshot the Raptors, I believe. At the free throw line, they got 23 attempts. Oh, excuse me, they did not outshoot them at the free throw line. But they won all of the categories you would expect, but they just turned the ball over too often. Watching that game, it was an extremely sloppy performance. Uh, Toronto kept the ball 12 times, Portland 18. So when you're minus six in the turnover category and both teams are shooting pretty cold, um, that's a recipe for a loss. But there's no reason Portland should have lost this game at home with or without Damian Lillard, when you hold an opponent to 33.7%. And this was a Raptors team that was, I believe, number one in offensive efficiency coming into tonight. So that's a tough loss for Portland. And we've talked about them losing 10 of their past 11 games and actually went through their 10 losses. I took away the Spurs and the Warriors games because both games were pretty much blowouts and non-contest at all. Also two of the three best teams in the NBA. But looking at those other eight losses, Portland lost by a combined of about 35 points. You're looking at a margin of four to five points each time they're playing. The flip, the script could be completely flipped and we could want, could have won all eight of those games and we've sitting here talking pretty about the Blazers. Um, it just feels kind of like last year everything went right and now we're starting to see things even out. Uh, good teams tend to find ways to win the close games. It seems like we play terrible with the lead going into the fourth quarter and for whatever reason, we go away with what's working, and I don't think that was any more evident than that Sacramento game on last Tuesday, where we lost 126 to 112. Um, up 121. Up. Yeah, 126, 120. You're correct, Evan. Uh, that game really was the beginning of the straw breaking my back. Um, everyone's going to talk about Demarcus Cousins and that mouthpiece, but dude had 55 points and 14 boards. And we had no answer for him, and we wasted a 60-point combined outing from Damon CJ. Uh, I'm not certain why we lost that game. We had no business losing the game, especially without Rudy Gay. Sage, you watched that game. Um, yes, Cousins was a beast, but why did we go away from moving the ball and especially putting Cousins in the pick and roll? Plumlee was feasting on those lobs. Dude had 27, 13, and 5. I mean, 27 points for Mason Plumlee, you know he was getting busy off those assists. Honestly, some of the some of the strategies we've been using haven't been working, and that's just another example of, I don't want to say getting out-coached, but if Terry's going away from what works, he's really, it's a, it's a detriment to this team. I think a big turning point in that game was when Garrett Temple got put into the game because he could actually stay with one of the guards defensively. I, I also thought the turning point was in the second half, you could see Sacramento just putting more effort defensively. Mm. Uh, I was watching the game with Olga as always, and I was like, you know, we should be up like 20, 25 points, but we couldn't get those stops. Like we kept scoring. Like we it looked like we tried to outscore them to win that game, 
but we just couldn't get stops. It was a carbon copy of the Indiana game, and really there's no reason Portland should have lost this game. We actually outscored Sacramento 56-42 to in the paint. Uh, we had 30 assists to their 20. We were sharing the ball. We were doing everything you wanted to do. Um, we had a plus 11 advantage on the offensive glass and overall a 14 advantage on the total rebounding. Uh, it's really baffling that we lost that game. If you just look at the box where you were like, how? Boogie Cousins. Yeah, and the fact that we don't have a lot of people that we can throw at him. I mean, I was... First off, I thought that the whole mouthpiece thing was one of the more entertaining, it's probably the, mo- the most entertaining highlight of our season just because it was so ridiculous. I had never seen anything like that in my entire life. And I, and I doubt we'll see something like that again. Um, but like, I was really frustrated even leading up to the game with the meet, like the local media, the writers, and even the team hyping up this, going into the game, hyping up this Myers Leonard versus Boogie Cousins thing. Like, shame on them for doing this because it's so ridiculous and it's not, like a tongue-in-cheek thing because they're not trolling Myers. It's like they tried to pump him up, and that was such an embarrassing showing that he had. It was unbelievable. And then after the game in the in the post-game uh, comments when he's in the locker room talking about it, it's like, dude, take your L. Like, he killed you, and I don't care what he said to you because uh, you probably deserved it. And it's 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 frustrating on this team because we have three big guys in Plumlee, Davis, and Myers Leonard, and Myers Leonard basically isn't a big guy. Like, you can't have him guard anyone, any of the other teams, like big power forwards or centers, because he doesn't know what he's doing out there. And Plumlee's out of, like, he's such, Plumlee's like a tweener power forward center, but by default, he has to be center. And then Ed Davis comes in and does the best he can. But it's, we, I feel like we struggle against teams that have like legitimate bigs, like a Denver or Minnesota, Utah, and, and Sacramento with Boogie. Yeah, we get yeah, destroyed by traditional teams with traditional lineups. And to Myers' point, I don't think he had to have played the game of his life or have the worst game of his life to, to feel what he felt. Uh, it seems like nobody in Portland's locker room really has a soft spot for Boogie Cousins, especially after that game and his antics. Um, I'm certain they grow tire, tired around the league as well. Um, seems like a good dude off the court, but that was the first time I really thought this guy's got a screw loose and I don't want him on Portland. Uh, his antics after the game saying ridiculous, everybody sees what's going on here. Uh, you threw your mouthpiece out and spit it at the bench and somehow were allowed back in the game when you should have been ejected. Uh, if Rasheed Wallace had done that during his heyday in Portland, he would have had a multi double digit game uh, suspension easily. So Cousins is actually getting off very easily, and throughout the game, the referees were very lenient with him. In fact, I think they were intimidated by him. Uh, just his constant stares and commentary and his body language, every time he was complaining about a call, yes, he is an amazing talent, but something has to be said that he was drafted in 2010, and he, as the franchise player, has never led that team to a playoff appearance. Um, I think it goes a long way with how he portrays himself on the court because, I mean, you can do this in a regular season game, but does anybody really think the Sacramento Kings are going to be the eighth seed? If they are, you know, big, big fucking deal. You're going to get swept by the Warriors, just like any other team who gets the eighth seed. And this isn't sour grapes. I think the Marcus Cousins is the best center bar, bar none in the league, but there is some sort of respect you have to have. Like I love guys who play with a chip on their shoulder, but he's falling in with the Draymond Green category of just being, um, not unwatchable, but just disres- I guess disrespectful is the most 
you know, easiest way I, I can think to say it. And, but to Evan's point, I do not like that we hyped up Myers, that he's the so-called boogie stopper. It reminds me of when we fucking thought Ruben Patterson was the boogie stopper. <laughs> and one, it's not fair to Myers. And two, it's just not true. He played boogie amazingly one time okay. in Portland this year. And now everyone thinks he is the traditional big man stopper. That narrative has to stop. And hopefully it did. Uh, we'll, we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah. And for Portland, they have to play Myers. I mean, like, he's, he's their biggest body they can really throw at him. With, with Festus Azili sidelined for the year, um, you really don't want Mason Plumley getting into foul trouble defending Cousins. So, I mean, Myers is going to have to go at it again. Yeah, and to your point real quick uh, about the whole boogie, uh, his post-game comments were unbelievable, the whole ridiculous thing, ridiculous 800 times. Not only did they the refs help him get back in that game, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the next day, the NBA, he rescinded two technicals from earlier in the year of his. So, yeah, this whole ridiculous everyone, the world seeing it, it's like, dude, they just took away two more technicals for you. But, yeah, everyone's out to get you, man. Like, I, I think it's hilarious. I mean, as a basketball observer, I'm a Blazer fan first, and then I'm, I'm a basketball fan. And as a basketball fan, I love seeing weird, absurd shit like that. I think it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow's game is going to be incredible atmosphere, and it's really the only thing I think that could save the Trailblazers right now is getting up to to play. I'm not going to call them a rival, but in the most, you know, if we're looking at, you know, recency bias, it, it's pretty up there. They probably want to beat the Kings right now more than anybody else. Yeah, um, if a punch is going to get thrown in a game, it's with the Blazers being involved. It's At this point right now, it's probably going to involve the Kings. I, I agree. Which makes it exciting. Yeah. And what's also slightly interesting or depressing is we talked with Dane last week about, you know, how we thought the week would go. I think I predicted three and one. I think you and Dane both said two and two. Well, Portland goes 0 and four, and that wasn't even in our worst case scenario yet. Portland goes 0 and four, including a 96, 95 loss to the Mavericks, uh, a game I was in attendance for and really, that was the first time I've heard Terry Stotts sound like disappointed in his children. Like, you know, when you get your parents, they're like, I- I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed in you. That's really what I got from his post-conference. And I've said this already two or three times on this podcast. There's no way we should have lost that game. I know we got down 24, but the effort was horrendous in that first half. And all we did was flip a switch, but, you know, it was too late. Give Wesley Matthews credit. Uh, earlier in the year, Damian Lillard blew right by him like he wasn't even there. This year, he picks his pocket, and then he plays some really solid defense on the final play of the game. But what irked me the most was leaving the Rose Garden and hearing fans complaining that Lillard lost them the game. Uh, just the overall lack of intelligence from certain fans was baffling to me, considering Lillard outscored the Mavericks single-handedly in the third quarter, brought us back, and Terry Stott specifically said on that final play, it was a pick and roll. Nobody came up to help him with the screen. They left Dame out there on an island and said, hey, Dame, just work your magic 35 feet away from the basket. So I know he had a bad turnover uh, on the Wesley Steel, but one, give credit to Matthews. And two, Damian Lillard has been the only really watchable aspect of this team, maybe outside of CJ and Mo this this year. So, and he's the best thing that's happened to this franchise since since Clyde Drexler. So let's kind of, one, cut him some slack, and two, realize he is not the problem. Just because he's the best player and an all-star doesn't mean he can do everything for this team. 
Yeah, I mean, when I was watching the game, so you're at the game, I was watching on TV. I mean, Damien did, obviously did not lose the game. They lost the game in the first half. But, I mean, that was the first time this season where I watched where I'm like, oh, my God, are they, like, is this it? Are they mailing it in? Because the effort was so terrible on both ends of the floor against a team that's really bad to begin with, and then they were missing Dirk and Andrew Bogut. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this could be it. Like, we might be a bottom five team. Like, legitimately right now, they might understand their heads that they're a bottom five team. It was nice to see that they came out in the third quarter and uh, pushed to get back in that game. But Dame, obviously, Dame, yeah, people who said the Dame lost the, the game for them are idiots. Ridiculous, bro. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. They lost the game in the first half as a, as a team. You know, you lose the game in the first half. You're down 24. Uh, Dame has 29. No other Blair, Blazer has more than 14. Uh, Crab had a good night. He had 14 with a four of six from downtown. But CJ had probably maybe his worst performance of the year: 13 points on 16 shots. It was uh, really. Again. Oh, sorry. It was really Dame and 11 others. Yep. I, no, I, I keep I keep thinking that, I, like on paper, we're talented. But a lot of games, it's Dame and 11 others. One superstar player cannot take a bunch of average players to the playoffs. They, it, it, in the NBA, most wins are dedicated to the top three players. We saw it with New Orleans, with Anthony Davis and no one else. We're seeing it now with Damian Lillard. These star players need help, and right now they're not getting it. So cut those guys some slack. And to make matters worse, Portland saw the San Antonio Spurs on the schedule the day before Christmas Eve. Um, I was at my my in-laws for uh, you know celebrating Christmas, so I was following along on my phone. Uh, but I saw the game continue to slip away, slip away, slip away. To make matters worse, Damian Lillard injures his ankle in the game. He eventually sat out the game against Toronto, which we discussed earlier, and his status is still kind of up in the air. Uh, to make matters worse, the Spurs sat Parker, Ginobili, Gasol, still won 110 to 90. And of course, former Blazer Patty Mills, who always just kills us in the Rose Garden, had 23 on 7 of 9 shooting, just a complete spark plug off the bench. I mean, you factor in Kawhi doing Kawhi things, getting 33, LA 18 and 14 in his return to Rip City and Really, Portland just had nothing going. Uh, Dame and CJ shot a combined 12 of 35. Uh, not exactly the performance I thought against the Spurs. I thought we would keep this one close. Really thought we had a good chance to win when I saw those three were sitting. And to get blown out by 20 points when the Spurs start a rookie at point guard and then have Patty Mills come in and show you up. It's starting... I just can't get a read on this team. I know we're losing more often than not, but the games are close, and then we have just these blowouts when it just leaves you scratching your head. Sage, you watched the game. Uh, what what went wrong? There was a really bad quarter. I've, I've kind of blocked it out of my mind, but there was a really bad quarter where we got outscored. But I think it was the second where there was yeah, like it was the second quarter. seven straight possessions of getting... 30. What was that? We got outscored 30-18 to 18 in the second quarter. Yeah, it was, it was tied up the first, so yeah. yeah. We're just a bad team right now. But the, the thing that kind of irked me when I was on social media was people are saying Myers Leonard deserves to be the starting power forward. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm, yo, I, I, I have a new nickname for Myers. He's the zombie. He moves like a zombie. I, I, I tried to pay attention to when he sets picks. He's always slowly moving. He's the zombie that... 
sort of can shoot sometimes. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the problem with Myers Leonard. I think that the organization got itself into is a couple of years ago we saw promise with him, and there was talk outside of the organization from other teams that like, oh my god, this guy might be a dude that commands a sixteen. 16- 17 million dollar contract a year contract because he's a seven footer that can shoot. Yeah, he's a unicorn. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he teased us with his outside ability and we kind of ignored the fact that he is atrocious on defense. Atro- atrocious. He's the type of player where like when a, a big comes out of college and you see him play his first season, you're like, oh man, once he figures out the NBA defense, he, he could be solid. We're on like year five of that with Myers. Like he's just not figuring it out. And then offensively, when's the last time they tried to feed him the ball inside the free throw line? Like, he's just there to set picks, pop out for threes. If he starts missing threes, then he's passing up wide open threes, and that's the only reason he's in the game. So if he's not making threes, which he hasn't been doing this year, he just shouldn't be in the game. Like, he's not good. And to be fair to Myers, though, he did have a nice performance against the Spurs. 16 points, 4 of 7 from downtown, tied to the leading score. It wasn't like anybody else had it going. Um, I just think with Myers, you hope that it's the, the shoulder that is, takes longer than a lot of us really anticipate for it to fully heal. And he's never going to be, I think, the intimidator down low, the defensive rim protector we're searching for, or even a low post score. You have to kind of take Myers with, with, um, at, at, as face value. He is what he is. He's a pick and pop big. Um, very athletic for his size but he's out there to spread the floor. And if he's hot, he's a huge asset. And if he's not, he can be a liability. But until Olshay finds another suitor, you know, he's on this team. And I think he's going to get minutes, especially with, you know, Azili out for the year. And Portland really, really lacking front court production. So as a, as a Blazer fan, I take this as a positive that he had a good game. But as a, a realist, it's, more along of more of the same of what we've seen with Myers inconsistency and I think not to single Myers out that can be said for almost every blazer not named Dame or CJ inconsistency has been the name of the game for this team and right now they are 13 and 20 they are seven games under 500 they are actually if the draft lottery happened today they would be slated ninth in the draft um they are three losses away from being tied with the Dallas Mavericks for the worst record in the league, which is completely incredible in a in a bad way. If if you would have told me the Blazers would have been thirteen and twenty on December twenty seventh, I would have said no way, or at least Dame or CJ suffered a major injury. Like I thought it would have taken something like that. Up until the San Antonio game, we've been relatively healthy in the backcourt. We did have Chief hurt from a time to time, but that shouldn't have affected our record this this much so if you're the blazers i don't think you can look back at last year and say oh we flipped the switch uh we got hot in january and february because one there's no moving von lay out of the starting lineup which we've discussed and two i just don't see that same that spark that team had i i don't know what it is is it is it the contracts is it regressing to the mean uh, i've heard all analysis or analysts whether it's um, team or you know media or us or other fans nobody seems to know the answer and I think that's what's driving all of us crazy there's just no answer well I mean you can't you cannot use last year's success as a measuring stick for this game because it's a new year it's a new team even though we kept 90% of our team 
this is a different team because everyone's a year older. Everyone's more matured. I mean, if we played last year with this team, it's a completely different result. So we can't, I, I feel like we can't take it, take what we did last year and say this is how it's going to be. What I, I don't know how we fix it. I, I, I just think, I, I, I'm really close to saying let we, we really need to tank for more talent. As sad as it is, but I, I, I just, I don't see how we fit. There's no quick fix for this team. No, and so I, I see all the time people, local bloggers and people on the, you know, that work with the team and all that always throw out the stat of last year we started out with about the same record we have this year. Everyone relax and we'll flip the switch. And maybe we did flip the switch last year, but people forget that four out of the five guys last year in the starting lineup were new. And maybe it wasn't so much of a flipping of a switch last year. It's just that they got used to playing with each other and they started to figure some things out. So coming into this year, they shouldn't be like, oh, well, we're starting off bad again. Let's flip that switch again. It's like there is no excuse for why we started off bad. I think it is. I think back to what Dustin was saying about coming back down to the mean. This is probably who we are. Last year was a down year in the West. Like we've discussed, 44 wins got us the five seed. Um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, who knows if 44, if 44 wins might get you the seven or eight seed this year. Um, I think we're just coming back down to earth. It's, it's tough. I think. The moves we made in the offseason kind of handcuff us. We we signed a bunch of guys to four-year deals, and uh, it's going to kind of be tough to trade. I know with, with Myers, I think I was excited when we signed Myers because I was like, oh, we could showcase him and then trade him, but I don't know what suitors are going to be out there for someone like that. And same kind of goes with Alan Crabb. I, I figured that he would be a guy that they would look to maybe trade after we signed him. Um, yeah, I mean, I we're getting to the point where it's like, we're this far into the season. Do we just expect these guys to try harder on defense and we're all of a sudden going to start winning games? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, this just might be who we are. Can I do a hot take where it's going to really piss me off that I think this trade is even remotely possible? Oh, boy. Let's hear it. Three-team trade. Blazers, Pelicans, Sixers. I Unless think... AD's coming to Portland, no. I don't want to hear it. Nerlens Noel and Ajinsa go to Portland. Vonleh Cunningham, the Sixers' second-round pick to Philly. God, Wait, the Sixers' pick to Philly? Philly uh, mean New Orleans has it. Pelican. Okay. And New Orleans gets Myers Leonard. I think there's a that's that's going to be my hot take for this episode. I think Myers Leonard goes to New Orleans. Here's a real take alert. I don't think any team in the NBA is interested in Myers Leonard. I disagree 100%. And I'll tell you, with the new CBA that just got, um, I guess, extended, they, they uh, there's going to be no lockout. Sorry, the word is escaping what I'm looking for. CBA. Uh, uh, well, the salary cap's going to go up more. The salary cap's going to go up. The mean salary of an average player is going to go up. Myers Leonard's four-year, $40 million deal, that's going to be for your regular Eighth, ninth, tenth man in your roster. Yeah, that's keep, just going to be. Keep in mind, Myers is only making three more million than a Jinsa, who doesn't even get off the bench in New Orleans. That's not that's a bad contract. And no, I'm not saying it's a bad contract, and he, he might be. That's the like eighth, ninth, or tenth best, but he shouldn't be the eighth, ninth, or tenth guy off the bench on our team, and we're not good. <laughs> like he shouldn't be the eighth, ninth, or tenth guy off the bench. 
It's so fr- he's just a legitimate seven footer that can't play any defense, and you can't feed him the ball in the post. It's so frustrating. I'm so frustrated with him. I, I, I'm probably a little biased, but when I say that no team is inter- interested in him, maybe a team would be, but I don't see him getting significant run anywhere. No, but he shouldn't get significant run here. I, I, I just think he's going to be a tradable asset eventually because that contract and. Good and the team is still going to buy into his potential. Whether it's valid or not, there's going to be a GM that's going to look at a 24-year-old big man who doesn't have a lot of minutes on those legs, and they're going to see potential. They're going to see his ability to shoot the three, and he does have ability to play pretty solid man-to-man defense against bigger centers. Those are the things we know Myers can do. Not saying he excels at any of that, but he has shown the ability to do each of those assets, or excuse me, each of those abilities. So there is a GM out there that's going to gamble on Myers, just as Neil Olshay gambled on Festus Azili and his niece. And just think, I, I if, hope so. I hope so. If you're Dell Dems, really hope so. you, this guy's going to take all the contact away from Anthony Davis, can hit an open three, which New Orleans needs. In the press conference, he's not going to look like an idiot for saying this young guy could help Anthony Davis. So I, I just... We're, yeah, no, go for it. I mean, I think it's about if you if you're a GM, you gotta get the fans interested in the guy that you uh, just acquired. There are things that will get a fan base excited about Myers Leonard. It's just we pick and prod everything. I mean, I called him a zombie ten minutes ago. There are things wrong with him, but there's also you. But why a GM, why do we think that he can hit an open three when I'm not convinced that he can? I mean, he had one year. I'm not, I don't have his stats up, but what's the best three point percentage year he had? And then like the next two, right? Like this year, it's god awful, isn't it? Like he cannot hit an open three this year. He's shooting 30, 33% by the three point line this year. Yep. He shot 42% in 2015, 38 in 2016. Mind you, he's still coming off that shoulder surgery. I think a lot of it with Myers is between the ears. He is a confidence-based player. When he has confidence, you see him, one, not hesitate when he shoots, which usually results in it going in, and two, he starts being more active with the ball in his hands. He's looking to do something other than immediately pass it away like a hot potato. Uh, Myers was the funks, and it really impacts his game because then he's more hesitant to pull the trigger from downtown. He's not certain he doesn't pass with a purpose when he gets the ball. He's not looking to do anything in that triple threat position, and the defenders know that. Um, I think a game like the Kings is exactly what he needs. He needs to go face boogie again. I think it's going to be a great showdown. And if he performs, I think that could push him and elevate his game into the new year. Again, it could take a turn for the worse, and he has another O for uh, another over, and he kind of spirals down to what we're seeing now—a very inconsistent Myers on the court. So, but I think if you're Portland, you kind of have to take that risk and throw him out there and see, you know, you know, fly, fly or fight, pretty much. Yeah, the the thing I know I'm I'm really down on Myers right now. And I feel I feel bad. I, I, I absolutely all, hate Myers Leonard, man. No, no but for, for all account for all accounts, like I, I I know he's a nice guy, you know, by all accounts. The, the, you brought up the mental thing, and I know that that's a narrative that's been pushed a lot from like local writers. And I'm starting to wonder the opposite. I'm wondering if he showed flashes and played above his level a few years ago, and now the whole mental thing is an excuse for him just not being that good. Totally like, could be that, the case. 
he's always I mean, it could go either way. As soon as we drafted him, I think he's always been that way. I mean, he showed flashes flashes his rookie year, but he didn't get a whole lot of playing time the following year because we actually surprised people and and beat the Rockets in that that playoff series. So he's had his time fluctuate. Even at Illinois, he was a sixth man off the bench. So he hasn't really had a whole lot of extended time. He's getting a little bit right now, but it's still. And also, I mean, we're we're working on what year five now? Is he? Yep. Is this his fifth year? Yep. Yeah, I mean. But he missed a lot of time last year. And I'm telling you, the shoulder surgery, while he's able to play, it takes almost a full year to get back into what you were able to lift before going up against, you know, he's going up against like 250-pound guys every day. Um, And, you know, I know I'm playing devil's advocate for Myers. I'm not the biggest Myers fan, but I think... I I want him to prove me wrong. I would love him to. I just think it's a little ludicrous to... Consider him the entire scapegoat of the season. I think we oh, he's not. No, he's not. I think it's just we've spent too much time talking about Myers. I think he gets enough enough of the negativity his way. I hope he has a big game against the the Kings. Um, But let's move away from the Blazers a little bit. Uh, What I was looking forward to most over the break was Cavs Warriors on Christmas Day. Uh, We all knew as soon as Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors that we were going to see a three-peat. It was definitely going to be Cavs. It was definitely going to be Warriors in the finals. Barring a major injury, there's no team stopping LeBron James from representing the Cavs as the Eastern Conference uh, finals champ. And the Warriors had won 73 games prior. Had Durant stayed in OKC, there's a possibility the Thunder sneak up and beat them. The Spurs maybe, but we all know it's going to be Warriors and Cavs for the third time in a row. And that game was special and lived up to all the hype. And outside of watching the Blazers, and I know this sounds petty as fuck, the thing that brings me the most joy is seeing the Warriors lose. So that was an amazing finish for me. I got my mom's fully on the anti-Warriors bandwagon. She was cheering for the Cavs like it was a Blazer game. And uh, it was pretty damn amazing. Yeah, uh, I was able to watch the entire game. I think I watched a little bit of the Celtics Knicks, but I watched that entire game. And uh, it was it lived up to the billings. I know the past few Christmases, some of the top build Christmas games have they didn't turn out to be that good, but this one like way more than exceeded expectations as far as entertainment value. Um, but I made a bet. I made a bet with a couple of friends this year, early this season, maybe two weeks into the season. I watched a few Warriors games. It'd be interesting to get your guys' take. I'm not a Warriors fan. I don't root for them. I wasn't a fan of KD going, KD signing there, and I like the Cavs. I want them to win. But I watched a few Warriors games, and then I, I have a few friends that are anti-Warriors. And I, when I watch them, I'm like, I don't see them losing a seven-game series if they're healthy. So I bet two of my friends both, you know, 20 bucks each. I'm like, the Warriors are going to win the championship this year. And uh, it was in, interesting watching that game. What? I mean, it's not a bad bet. They have four All-NBA players. Well, that, that was my rationale. My rationale, if all healthy, to lose a seven-game series, you need either Steph, Katie, two of these three, Steph, Katie, or Clay Thompson to have bad games four times in a seven-game series. You need two of those three to have bad games. And I'm just like, I don't, I just don't see that happening. They are so good. I know the Cleveland, uh, they came out and played, even though they were down 14 in the fourth, the Golden State should have won that game. They kind of pissed it away. And not to take anything from Cleveland because it was a great game, but, um, exciting game, but it still didn't, I'm still confident in my bet that the, the Warriors are just, I mean, they just look too good. Yeah, One, they're too good. I think the Cavs, 
for without J.R. Smith. That's a big, big offensive weapon that they had. I believe they started DeAndre Liggins, who, to his credit, mm-hmm. was all defense. But Cleveland missed a shit ton of open threes. I mean, they were 12 of 35 from downtown, and I would I would assume that at least 25 of those 35 attempts, just out of the top of my head um, from memory, were wide open looks um, that they missed. Golden State gave them a, a lot of opportunities to even blow that game open. Two, and this is a hot take for me, I don't think, I don't fear the Warriors as much with Kevin Durant as the main man than I did when it was Steph Curry and Klay Thompson getting all those shots. Durant is a guy that's going to get hot in the middle of a game, but if I have the game on the line or in the fourth quarter, my uh, balls are in my stomach if Steph Curry or Clay Thompson are shooting an open jump shot. Kevin Durant, probably going to make it, but I'll roll the dice with KD over over those two. I think those two are two of the most skillful, skillful shooters the NBA has ever seen. Uh, Steph Curry sh- had efficient records, just shattered last season, and Clay Thompson scored 60 fucking points in 30 minutes. Uh, just two of the best shooters and scorers in NBA history, and if Kevin Durant's going to take shots away from them, if I'm an opposing coach, so fucking be it. That was a very hot take. I, I, I you might have won today. I, I don't have any other fuego takes like that one. My God. Yeah, it was. I like you said. I say I, I can't wait for June because I think that this is what we're going to get, barring catastrophic injury. The Cleveland's going to have, you know, Toronto. They'll, they'll be up against Toronto. Maybe a few other team teams will steal a game from them in a series, but. I, it, I think it's a foregone conclusion. Cleveland's going to be there. Golden State's going to have a little bit tougher of a time, possibly. I mean, with Blake out and you know, CP's missing time, it'll be interesting to see how healthy they are. The Clippers are going to the playoffs, but God, I, I want who doesn't want to see that again? I want to see it again, especially after watching it on Christmas. I want to see seven games of that. And I'm looking at the box score, and I noticed that Steph just didn't shoot very often. Yeah, he did not shoot he- well. He was four of eleven, and I know he has a history of not performing well on Christmas Day for whatever reason. I think that's kind of a, just a coincidental stat because you're a different player every year. The opponent's different every time. The situation is never the same. But Steph only getting four shot or eleven shots. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that as a Warrior fan when Durant's got twenty three shots. Um, I know he got hot, but you know he still finished finished uh, sub fifty percent from the floor. And didn't make it when it counted. In fact, like he fell over. Yeah, it might have been a little bit of a nudge, but still he didn't really attempt to, to stay up and he tried to draw that foul. Uh, Kevin Durant has had a history of not coming up in the clutch. He has in, the, he has in times, but he's not what I would describe as a clutch performer. Um, I, I think they're easily going to make it to the finals, but if you're looking for a weakness, I think it's Kevin Durant trying to lead that team. And LeBron, if he does anything, he owns Kevin Durant, not only in the regular season, but in the postseason. Yeah, his his head-to-head record's insane, right? Like 17-4, and 18-4, four, four, something like that? He does not lose to KD. And, you know, I think Cleveland's got a real shot at beating them. I don't think home court adman- advantage matters. I think Golden State will have it. But as you mentioned, Evan, they're going to have a tougher road to the, the, the finals. So it kind of evens out. One team has an easier road, the other team gets the home court advantage. Um, we saw last year both teams can win on either team's home court. When you have two equally matched teams, the arena is not really going to play a huge factor. Uh, it, to me, it all comes down to Kyrie Irving. We know what LeBron's going to do, but if Kyrie can play like he did uh, on Christmas and in the finals last year, 
now you're looking at, at a real series. I would give Golden State a slight edge just because they have the, the big four compared to the big three, but it is really tough to go up against LeBron, like to bet against LeBron. Like he seems like he takes this, this matchup more personal than any other matchup in his career. And it is so fun watching him play uh, against the Warriors because that, that dunk, I don't care if it was a technical or not, just he's played 14 years in the league for him to still have that intensity and that fire. Man, dude is the top three player of all time. Like, I am a believer in LeBron. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't call technical on that because they called that bullshit technical on Richard Jefferson. For the week. Wink. Yeah, and him and KD are like friends. And, like, first off, that dunk was disgusting. Let him wink. Who gives a shit? He is 36. You should be able to taunt your ass off if you're over 35 and can dunk. And it was the most, yeah, it was the softest wink ever. That was a terrible technical. Terrible technical. So I'm glad, yeah, you're right. If they would have called a tech on LeBron hanging on the rim, that would have been really bad. Let them have fun. Please. Exactly. Let them have fun. And, you know, I love seeing Draymond get, get irritated, get that technical early. I mean, that makes my heart smile as well. I um, just really don't like the Warriors. So that was a nice Christmas gift amidst this, uh, horrific Blazer season and you know it is an 82 game season there are no off days until your season's over and Portland has three games upcoming this week uh we've kind of foreshadowed it a little bit but they have a rematch against the Sacramento Kings tomorrow night at seven at the RG uh Friday they kick off a a three-game road trip against the Spurs in San Antonio a just a fantastic way to end 2016 and they have a New Year's Day matchup against the struggling and also disappointing Minnesota Timberwolves in the Twin Cities. Sage, let's quickly uh, preview these three games, starting with that rematch against the Kings. It doesn't look like Lillard's going to play, but I'm not certain it, it really matters. It To me, it starts on the defensive end for Portland. What do you do if you're Terry Stotts? I know we discussed with Dane when we previewed the matchup last week against the Kings where we said we, we let Boogie just get his, but there comes a time and a place when he starts getting so hot that you have to switch up the defense. So how would you attack Marcus Cousins if you're Terry Stotts? I would, at first, I would still stick with the strategy of let him get his, but once he get, if he gets nuclear like he did, we're going to have to switch it up. I mean, there are mid-game adjustments, but I would start out with let him get his. Don't let Ben McLemore or Rudy Gay, if he plays, kill you. Yeah, and this is a hot team that's won six of their last eight games. After beating the Trailblazers at home, they went on the road and impressively beat the Jazz in Utah 94-93. Um, they followed it up with, with wins who they should have beaten, Minnesota and Philadelphia, which is something to say for the Sacramento Kings because they've been – as Jekyll and Hyde as the Trailblazers have been this year over the course of the past 12 or 13 years. So beating teams you're supposed to beat is the first step in becoming a playoff contender, which I think the Kings are at this point in time. In fact, they would be the eighth seed if the playoffs ended today. But they have to come back to Portland. You know Cousins is going to get booed every time he touches the ball. Unfortunately, I think that's just going to fuel him. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the best chance the Blazers have this game is right as the tip goes off, Myers just walk up to to Boogie and pants him and just hope that he slugs him in the face and he gets booted from the and he gets booted from the game. I think that's especially if we don't have Dame playing that game. Uh, I I think that that would be a very advantageous thing to do. Ron Artest, take, take, 
Yeah, Ron Artest. Exactly. Who did Ron Artest do that too? Paul Pierce. Someone on the, Paul Pierce on the Celtics, yeah. Right, that was beautiful. Because Cousins will, you know, he's very capable. It's probably a 50-50 chance if he just hauls off and selects him. Even though, is, is, is Boogie like a Rasheed Wallace where Rasheed would get teed up, but it was never really, it never really involved other players. It was always vitriol towards the referees. Like, he never really mixed it up with players. And Cousins well, is kind of like that, too. Except when it comes to Myers. He, for whatever reason, he's got a lot of animosity towards Myers. I don't know what Myers has said or done to him, but for him to go after a bench player like that uh, means that Myers maybe got into his head and he takes this... Uh, personally like gangster? Yeah, he gets it just personally. Um, Rashid, you're right. Rashid was always within his own mind and also with the officials. DeMarcus... Half and half. I've seen him get into to skirmishes with Chris Paul, where Chris Paul, we've all seen that infamous vine where he barely touches Cousins and Paul flops backwards like a fish out of water. Um, obviously Cousins and, and Leonard, but if you're and wasn't there wasn't there, wasn't there a Cousins one where like was it Stephen Adams? It was someone where like Cousins did ball up his fist like he was gonna sock him, but then like he had like a coming to God moment and he Ooh. stopped himself right before he did it. Do you remember this? I remember. It was last season. Oh, it was Marcus Hall. Yeah. Damn, I thought it was Boogie. But like a straight up bald fist, like, oh, it's going to happen. And then like something came over and he's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, that was definitely Gasol. Because I remember seeing that clip um, before we played the, the Grizzlies earlier this season. But if you're Portland, this game becomes even more daunting because Rudy Gay returned. He, he was not there last week, and he gives them a, a outlet if Portland doesn't indeed double boogie. He's putting Save. up good numbers. I hate his game, but he's putting up – he's producing. Yeah, isn't he like the center of a lot of trade talks, supposedly? I mean, isn't he always, though? Yeah, true. But now, like, more – because of the way he's playing, like, contending teams are finally like, you know what, maybe we could add him. God, I would hate. My friend today brought up, do you think Rudy Gay would do well on the Blazers? I was like, that may be one of those I just can't accept if Neil it, swings for that. Yeah. I've hated it wouldn't him. make any, it wouldn't make any sense to bring him on this team. Like he, he wouldn't take us with the current team the way we have right now. He wouldn't take us to any like upper level, next level. He'd help us stay. Like he, yeah. I, he would keep us closer to 500, which do we want? If no. we're going to be bad. We don't want to be closer to 500. We'd be the third scorer we need, but our defense would not improve. I mean, no. <laughs> it can. I hate saying it can't get worse because it obviously can, but he's not going to affect it that negatively. No, it wouldn't have much of an effect on our team. Sage, and so I, I'll go for it. What are you looking for? Did you repeat that? I said, so if you're the Trailblazers, what are you looking for? To, to exit Wednesday night victorious. You're ending the longest losing streak in the NBA currently. What do they need to do to get this victory? I think that Alfred Aminu needs to hit from three. When I watched uh, the Raptors game, it was basically four on five. They were treating him like Tony Allen in uh, the playoff series a few years ago. Alfred needs to be at least a threat. If he makes a few, it opens up the driving lanes for the rest of our team. I think it starts with Al Farouk actually being a threat. Because we need his defense. He definitely makes our defense better, but he actually has to be a threat to score. Yeah, I mean, you kind of took my X factor away as well. One was three-point shooting. Portland shot an abysmal 
four of 28 from downtown last Tuesday against the Kings. And despite those horrific numbers from three, we still put up 121 points. So how do you win a game? You obviously have to get stops. My other X factor, let's try to play some defense without fouling. We allowed 43 free throw attempts by the Sacramento Kings. That's what kept them in the game. Uh, I think Portland needs to hold them to 25 or under to really have a chance, especially if Lillard can't go. You expect if Dame doesn't go, you're not going to put up 121 points on on this uh, Sacramento defense. So you're going to have to play defense yourself. You're going to have to get in the passing lanes. You're going to have to trap double from different angles, really throw the kitchen sink at, at Cousins, and hopefully you fluster him. I think that's the best way to do it. But what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't do anything to instigate anything. I wouldn't do an extra nudge here or an elbow here, um, a hard foul there, because I think that's he's already going to be charged up. I think that's going to fuel him. And that's what fueled him in that last matchup is we kind of started to do that and he started talking to himself. People thought he was crazy. Yeah, he probably was, but that's the way he got himself going. And once he was locked in, he was a, launching from you know two feet behind the three-point line and there is absolutely nothing you can do about a 6'11 monster bombing from that far away when he can get his own down low. So if I'm Portland, I almost act like he's not there. Just treat it like another game, and I think you're going to see the best results. Evan, what do you think? Uh, what I want to look at is if Damian Lillard's not going to play, I want to look at uh, the point guard play with CJ and both Shabazz. I like what I saw with Shabazz. He's a guy that definitely looks like he wants to play there are times out in the court where a lot of blazers especially the past few games don't necessarily look like they want to be there he looks like a guy that wants to be there Mm -hmm. the thing that worries me with those two is ball security this last game you know one of them turned it over four times i think cj turned it over four times and there was one costly one late and then shabazz on limited minutes turned it over three times um so i yeah i want to look at ball security i know with cj it's we always say that he and Dame are the two kind of point guard A, point guard and point guard A, but like, this is, is a completely different role for CJ to be like, you are the point guard right now, the distributor, and then Shabazz comes off and kind of relieves you of that. So, yeah, I want to continue to watch the point guard play with, between those two. I think you gotta yeah. add Evan Turner into that mix too, because he, he makes some bad decisions with the ball. I'd say one or two, one or two of every five plays. You see something amazing, but those other ones are really risky. He does not always make the right decision with the ball. Yeah, he tried to quite a bit in the second half of that Toronto game, going like one on three, one on four, just getting bailed out a couple times, but also turning the ball over off of his leg. I was watching it. I was like, what are you doing? There are no numbers there. Just, I think with this team and the way they're struggling, every person is trying to put it upon themselves to be the hero and to solve the team's problems uh, individually. I think the only way they come out of this is if they collectively work together as a team and they start playing together like they did last year. Do you think the defense is better because there's only two atrociously bad defenders instead of three? Game because we threw something at Dwayne Casey and the Raptors that they hadn't seen or didn't even think. Trapping the basketball when you were not a good team the best way to do it is to trap the basketball and make other scores beat you that aren't the top two scores. Uh, teams do this with the Blazers all the time. They say, hey, we're going to trap Dame and we're going to keep a guy on TJ and we're going to make Mo Harkless, Mason Plumlee, Alfred Camino, et cetera, et cetera, beat us. Nine, eight times out of ten, that's going to work. I don't yeah. know why do that more often. 
Yeah, and to your point, in the Toronto game, what I noticed, and I, it, I thought it worked, and you talked about, you touched on it a little bit earlier, is we made the game kind of ugly, and in this case, it kind of benefited us. In other games, when we're putting up 125, these are clean offensive games, and it doesn't help us because on defense, we're so bad. Like, if we get into a, you know, a, a scoring match between two, if we're going back and forth, we're going to lose that battle because eventually the other team makes a few stops and we don't. But against Toronto, I feel like we got kind of de- got made it kind of ugly. Like you said, charging uh, the ball handler almost immediately, double teaming them, getting the ball out of their hands. Um, I thought that was interesting. It was it was an ugly game, and it almost benefited us because of that. Less possessions too. Yeah. So prediction time. What do you guys got? Blazers lose. Uh, I don't know why we would win so I, i'm gonna say lose <laughs> i don't see why what what, what makes I me think, think that what makes me think that we're gonna win this game when we didn't beat him a week ago with dame you know i think we win by eight or nine points <laughs> this year it seems That'd right be nice when dustin makes those trades and we you and i were on the podcast a year ago when we beat the warriors and you and, and he took his he took his swing for the fences and hit it man that makes oh, the me, game we blew them out. Yeah, it makes me sort of think that we can actually win it now that du- yeah. Dustin actually has faith in the team. Well, it wouldn't be a shocker if we beat the Kings because they're not, you know, a top echelon team. While the but, team didn't treat this as a special game, the fans are going to, and I think as a byproduct, the team will feed off of that, and it will be the most energized the arena has been in quite a long time. And that's going to be just what this team needs to get those extra home court advantage points. As I mentioned before, we had lost the majority of our games recently in this streak by four to five points. Uh, I think a great crowd, a playoff type crowd, can accumulate for a lot of that, can make up for those, that difference. You're going to um, be at the game? I will be at the game, and really all it takes is a play here or there. What the Blazers have done a horrible job of this year is they haven't valued each possession. I think they need to get back to that mindset of, it's very cliche and it's very Oregon Ducks to me, but win the day. You win the possession. You don't just win the quarter or the last two minutes. You win each and every possession. You cherish it like it is your last, and you don't just go for the home run because you feel like it. Like Let's play some smart-ass basketball, and let's see what the results have to say because we should have won a lot of these games, and you can pinpoint a play or two in each one of those losses where you can say, yes, this is where they lost the game. You look in that Memphis game. Nobody guards Marcus Hall in the three-point line despite having two bigs in the game. He makes it. I mean, that's a huge turning point. We look at the, the Sacramento game before. We could not get a rebound. We could not get any defensive stops. And we went away from doing what we did, which was the screen roll with Mason Plumlee. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, the whole first half against the Mavericks, we treat any one of those possessions with any sort of urgency. We that Maverick team had no business winning that game. We should have won by 10, 15 points. So if they just go back to basketball 101, like you need to value the possession. If they do that, they'll beat the Kings. I think they will, and I think they need to. Otherwise, the slide is going to get extremely serious because, like I said, they kick off a three-game road trip. It starts in San Antonio on Friday, December 30th. I check the Spurs schedule. They don't play the night before, so chances are we're not going to get a lucky break, and Greg Popovich is not going to rest a whole heap of players. Even if he did, I'm not certain it would it would matter. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time digging into this one because uh, 
they're the San Antonio Spurs. They are the team that probably matches up worse with the Trailblazers because what a Greg Popovich team does is they exploit sloppy teams. They do not make mistakes. They prey on teams that give up the ball, and the Trailblazers will do that, and they prey on teams that do not play sound basketball. Portland has not shown the capabilities of doing that over the course of 48 minutes this year very often, and they exploit you, especially on the defensive end. Um, I Until he stops having big games, look for Patty Mills to have a huge night, and I, I we have zero answer for, for, for Kawhi Leonard. I mean, let's, let's face it, the dude is a top three or four player in the league, both ways. And if Dame doesn't play in this one, you can expect Kawhi to lock up CJ or try to lock him up, and that's going to really hinder our offense. Uh, even if we beat Sacramento, I think this one has the highest probability uh, of, of a blowout uh, of the week, of this week's slave games. I think LaMarcus uh, could go off, but we'll, lo- we'll lose. I mean, what's going off for LaMarcus? Is it like 28 points on 22 shots? He looked good on Christmas. Nah, fuck LaMarcus. Okay. <laughs> he's only averaging like 16 a game, isn't he? Yeah, he's not doing what happened well. To the- what happened to the whole, like, I want to leave Portland because I want to be the main guy, and then you go to San Antonio and you're not even close to the main guy? All right, no. Like you said, fuck LaMarcus. We don't need to spend time on him. Yeah, so I think we're all in unison. Unfortunately, a loss. However, that would be an amazing uh, 2016 ending treat if the Blazers were able to stun the Spurs in San Antonio. And I think the most important game of this week, if Portland is serious on not just making the playoffs because, as we mentioned, seventh and eighth seed not going to cut it this year. If they are serious about catching teams like Memphis and Utah, who have um, like thirteen or fourteen losses, we're already six or seven losses behind both teams. If we are serious about catching them, we need to start winning on the road against teams with a worse record than us, and that is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, we played them on New Year's Day at four Pacific time, and I know the Wolves are struggling this year, but Sage. How and why? I picked them to be the eighth seed in the preseason, and they have been Defense. not as big disappointment as the Blazers, but even worse. Even with Coach Tibbs as their as their as their lead man. Yeah, man, the defense is bad. Um, when I watch him, Carl Anthony Towns is amazing on offense, but he cannot defend a pick and roll to save his life. Um, I looked at the eye test; he is a bad defender. I looked at the. Uh, Defensive rating analytics. He is the worst defensive big in the entire NBA. I I mean, when you're... There's only one or two plus defenders on that team. And even with Tibbs, if you can't make your center play defense, you're not going to be able to contest well. So, surprisingly for Tibbs, they're a good offense. Just a really, really bad defense. So if you are telling me he is terrible in the pick and roll, then the Blazers need to pick and roll Cat to death, correct? Yeah. He just he gets caught in no man's land a lot and makes bad decisions. It's something we have to utilize. This is a Wolves team that is only 5-11 at home, which is definitely not protecting the home court like you would expect a young team to do. You would expect this Wolves team to be pretty good at home, um, young, energetic, athletic, get get the fans behind you and probably struggle quite mightily on the road, but they have not been able to string together a lot of quality wins at home like they did last year. They surprised quite a few teams last year. Sage, do you think this is almost like a younger version of the Blazers that they bought into their hype too early and now they're really waiting to find themselves? I get a New Orleans Pelicans of last year vibe from them. 
just they're gonna be bad. Um, but it's gotta be more frustrating for Timberwolves fans because I feel like they have a lot more talent on their roster. No offense to the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, Pelic- two number one picks plus Levine. Levine's probably their second best player. I, I really am down on Andrew Wiggins, man. For as that yeah, he, he has his off nights, yeah. For as that oh, sorry. A lot of Timberwolves basketball, myself included, Sage, by being down on Wiggins and having a bad year, can you go into more depth on that? For as athletic as he is, he doesn't contribute on rebounding. He just is a Derek Anderson type of guy. He's just going to go to the, he's just going to score a lot. And he goes to the foul line a lot. So that's how his scoring numbers look good. He gets to the line about eight times a game and can hit from there. I think Zach Levine's developed a pretty consistent catch and shoot shot, which we really need to close out with, uh, on that. I really enjoy watching Ricky Rubio. We all know he can't shoot, but keep in mind, he does so many things elite. His IQ, his passing, the way he runs the team. He is a major cog in that team, and people are just throwing him away like he's nothing. He's a very good basketball player. So you mentioned that the Wolves are horrific on on defense, similar to Portland, but what I can't wrap my mind around, and I saw this last year, we have no answer for Towns on, on defense ourselves. We have no interior stoppers. I feel like it's going to be a run-and-gun, up-and-down scoring fest that the team that I think takes care of the ball the best, and maybe the team that has the ball last, um, because it feels like it's going to be one of those games probably similar to what we saw in Sacramento, where it could be up in the 120s either way. You've got Towns leading the way. I think for the Wolves, and if Dame's healthy, Dame's Dame always does damage against Minnesota. What does Portland have to do if they're going to get this win? Because they honestly have to get this win. It's not a must win because we're talking January one. But when you've got the Warriors in Golden State looming on the schedule next, you really don't want to go, you know, ten, eleven games under five hundred, and that's what Portland could look like if they don't take care of business against the the Kings and, and the Wolves. Yeah, it's crazy looking at I'm looking at the team stats like head to head between the the Wolves and the Blazers and they're very similar teams in in a lot of these stat categories. They're both shoot 45% from the field, both about 43 rebounds a game, 22 assists a game, exactly the same amount of blocks, 4.7. So they're both very and, and both teams very bad at defense, which is interesting. Um I think our best chance to beat them obviously is if Dame is in the lineup. The thing that I've seen more recently that I feel is frustrating, and I hope I'm not wrong. If I'm wrong, cut this out. I feel like this year, and especially more recently, we do not do a good job of getting defensive rebounds. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal, like really bad. And I think, I think with he, I think with the Minu coming back to the lineup, like I, he's not the best defender, but he does, you know, he does poke around on defense, and he kind of leaves his man to get rebounds. So I think having him back is helping. But I think in a game like this, like really focusing on getting a defensive rebound and not giving them a second look. I mean, I don't know how many times they got second and third looks like in Toronto, even with Al Farouk, but it was annoyingly consistent when Toronto would get two and three and four shot attempts on a single possession. We don't like getting 50-50 balls. They have to go directly no. to us without boxing out. It was good to see Vonley get some boards. What do you have, like eight boards, I think? 
But that's like it was like him only. Him and Chief, I think, were the uh, best two rebounders. Maybe maybe Plumley got biz, but when it was a tough board, it was Von Lair, Chief. Yeah, and it, but it just seems like this whole season, it's like other teams are getting so many second and third chances. As and like you mentioned, the fifty fifty balls. Like last year, it felt like we did a better job of that. Yeah, we were like you know. a top five rebounding team last year. Yeah, so and and it's, we we ran back the same guys, so it's like it's is it in everything? Or are these guys just not wanting to? Yeah, to Evan, your point, you're you're not seeing things. We have been bad controlling the defensive glass, according to the NBA.com slash stats. The Trailblazers rank 20th in offensive rebounds allowed by the opponent at almost 11 per, per game. So definitely not good, and something that has been really uh, an Achilles heel for this this defense because you already have a hard enough time getting one stop. Now you're going to try to get two and three on the same possession. Uh, that's just not really a recipe for for success if you're if you're a Blazer team looking to get out on the break and trying to get some easy buckets. But um, do you guys see us beating the Wolves? Can I have a contingency if Dame plays? Yeah, I'll give you that one. If Dame plays, we win. If he doesn't, we lose. Fuck it. I say we win either way. I think that's a W. I think Dame will return by then. So I think we're going to win. I think we're going to go a 2-1 and one on the week. Uh, I'm sure our listeners probably wish I would be a little more pessimistic. Pessimistic. Don't worry. Seems- Evan and I got the pessimism. Well, it's like whenever I predict losses, they win. And when I start predicting wins, they lose. So, um, sorry, but I just see a two-in-one week. I think this is what the team has to have. Um, even one and two really puts them behind the eight ball with Golden State coming up. And like we've said since day one, the schedule does not start to ease up until late March. Um, so right now, Portland's not really treading water. They're starting to, to sink. They need to put together a, a winning week for once and God win a road game for, for a change. So that would be big if the Blazers could go two and one. And I, I don't think they need to look at the standings and realize they have to get it back all at once. All it takes is chipping away. And that starts with you take three game sets. Can you win two of those three? Like, like in baseball, when you have a series, can you win your series? Portland has to appro- approach the season the rest of the way. Win the games you're supposed to, for heaven's sake, they have to start protecting home court. And just pick up road games against sub-500 teams. That's that's how you get to the 50-win mark. I think 50 wins is not going to happen this year, but that is traditionally how teams do it. Um, Sage, did you have anything else to add? No. Uh, we were, we're a bad team right now. Let's see if we can be a mediocre team. I got, some, oh, I, got something to plug. I got something to plug that's better than mediocre, if you guys don't mind. Of course, buddy. So, um, as part of my brand, Evan M, I'm, I was asked to be a part of an event coming up on January 6th, which is going to be next Friday. It's being held at the Moda Center. It's being put on by uh, the Portland Trailblazers along with um, the Portland Rescue Mission. And it's called Culture Shock. And it's going to be an event where there's going to be art, clothing, uh, in music, live music at the Moda Center. So it's a really cool deal. You go to this website, www.culturerosequarter.com backslash culture shock. And uh, if you buy a ticket to it, you get to pick one of three game, Blazer games to go to for free. You get a ticket with it. 
So you buy a ticket to the event, you get a Blazer game for free, and then you get to come hang out. Uh, I'm going to have a bunch of my art, a bunch of my canvas prints there, along with uh, some of my clothing. And there's going to be some really, really cool brands there, really cool music. And uh, I encourage all of you guys to check it out. I'll actually be in Portland. Uh, you should come. You I, should come through. I, I, I'll definitely. You're gonna be in Portland, January. Yeah, man. For going to that Blazer uh, Detroit game. That's right. I got to give you your Christmas present still. Yeah. How'd you like your um, Christmas I, present? Delicious. I had a lot of food. Yeah. Got him a dos leches cake for Christmas. That sounds delicious. I mean, I think we're at a good spot. Um, For all our listeners out there, if you would love to subscribe, hit us up on iTunes. Give us that that five-star rating, uh, Holy Backboard. We're also on Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. Um, Also on social, Instagram, Twitter, at Holy Backboard and Sage. If we ever do get emails, they can come get us at Holy Backboard PDX at at gmail.com. Uh, we've got one so far waiting for that second. I think it's a night. It's about 1031 on a Tuesday. Got a short work week ahead of us. I think for the sanity of everyone, uh, all we talked about over the Christmas break with my family is what the fuck is wrong with the Blazers. I mean, it was great discussing hoops, but I don't know. I mean, it's fun to talk about it with you, but let's kind of put the words aside and let's see if the actions start to speak. We need some wins, boys. Oh, and go go to Culture Shock and support our boy Evan M. Please, please. It would be amazing. See you guys there. Let's go, Blazers. Let's go, Culture Shock. Let's go! And scene. <laughs> well, I never know when like it's done. Whenever we want it to be done. <laughs> mm-hmm.